You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show, week nine of the SEC. Six games still scheduled to happen as of now. We'll do our full matchup breakdowns and give you our predictions for the weekend. Also, longtime SEC writer from the Gainesville Sun, Pat Dooley, will join us. We'll get his perspective on Kyle Trask on his quest for the Heisman and also some thoughts on the SEC as a whole. And lastly, a look at some bowl projections. Almost every SEC school projected to go to a bowl to not. But we'll tell you what bowl games they are headed to, according to Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. We're here for you five days a week. You'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, let's jump right into it. Let's do our matchup breakdowns. Matchup breakdowns. All right, we start with the early games on Saturday, 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern, 2-3 and three LSU is at 3-4 and four Arkansas on the SEC Network. That line has swayed a lot since Wednesday. Arkansas opened as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. LSU now currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So that is a four-point swing from the Razorbacks to the Tigers. Now, Sam Pittman, talking with the media yesterday, said they are running a little thin are there number of players available for this game? Still think it's going to happen, but if Arkansas dips below that available numbers, we will have yet another postponement in the SEC, and I don't know where this game's going to go. Still got to make up LSU-Florida. Still got to make up LSU-Bama. May just have some games start being canceled for the SEC if LSU-Arkansas not able to go. But uh, LSU leads the all-time series in this one, 41-22-2. The Tigers have won four straight in the series, seven of the last nine. Arkansas fresh off their 28-point loss at Florida, while LSU has not played a game since Halloween, where they lost by 37 on the road at at Auburn. LSU won this game last year 56-20, but that was with Joe Burrow running the offense. This time, it'll be true freshman TJ Finley running the show for LSU. Felipe Franks, not bad at quarterback for the Razorbacks. He ranks fourth in the conference of passing yards but mostly because Arkansas has played all of their games so far while others in the conference have been postponed. LSU wide receiver Terrace Marshall, top five in the conference in receiving yards, while Arkansas linebacker Grant Morgan leads the SEC in tackles. I think we could say the Arkansas defense is much better than they showed last week against Florida, but I don't know if I could say the LSU defense is better than what they showed against Auburn three weeks ago. I think the LSU offense is better than the 11 points that they put up last time out. I think this is actually a very close competitive game. We know Arkansas is dealing with those uh, quarantined issues, so not at full strength. But LSU was a road favorite their last game at Auburn and got blown out. I can't buy them as a road favorite again. I'm going Arkansas on a close one over LSU, 31-27 Razorbacks. The other early game Saturday, number 6 Florida, is at 0-6 Vandy on ESPN, 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern. Florida, a 31.5-point favorite. I felt crazy starting to feel like Florida could still cover this number. I know Vandy scored late in their game against Kentucky last week to make that score look a lot closer. And there's a danger in a late score here by Vandy. Florida has the second-best scoring offense in the SEC at almost 46 points a game. Vandy is second-to-last, scoring 16 a game. Florida leads the all-time series 41-10-2, and the Gators won this one last year 56 to nothing. 
The Vandy offense, though, has shown some signs of life in recent weeks. In their first three games, Vandy offense averaged eight points a game. Over their last three games, Vandy has averaged 24 points a game. I think I've talked myself out of the cover. I think Florida jumps out to a big lead early, but lets off the gas late. Vandy gets the backdoor cover. Florida wins this one 56-27 and just avoids covering that big spread. In the afternoon, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern on the SEC Network. It's 3-4 and four Kentucky at number one undefeated Alabama. The spread is 30 for the Tide. Bama leads the all-time series 37-2-1, so history not on the Wildcats' side. The two teams have only met twice in the past decade, with Bama winning each 48-7 and 34-6. I think this Kentucky team has a chance to put up some points if they can get Terry Wilson moving the chains with his feet. Chris Rodriguez, he's running well. By the way, he's top five in the SEC rushing. And Kentucky's secondary has actually been pretty good this season. They rank 43rd against the pass nationally, and they're fourth in the country with 11 interceptions. But Mac Jones of the Bama passing attack, man, they're just too much. They are third in the nation passing. Najee Harris is second in the SEC running the ball behind Kevin Harris. Bama leads the conference in scoring at 47 points per game. They are number three in the nation behind two Mac schools, Kent State and Western Michigan, who have each only played three games. Even if Kentucky's able to hold Bama to under 50, I don't think Kentucky scores more than 20. So let's say Bama wins 48-20. to 20. Kentucky covers that big number but still loses big. At night, 2-4 and four, Tennessee is at number 23, Auburn. 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. The Tigers, a 10.5-point home favorite. Sounds like the Vols are still rolling with Jared Garantano at quarterback. Earlier this week, Gus Melzahn was asked about JG, and he immediately said, oh, He's a veteran who's played a lot of ball. Notice coaches always talk about how experienced with JG, not how dangerous he is at quarterback. That said, I think this is a game where Tennessee maybe gets back to what was their bread and butter at times this year, running the football with Eric Gray and Ty Chandler. However, a Tennessee run game, according to the numbers, not much better than they were last year. The real question becomes how short of a leash will be on Garantano. If we finally see Harrison Bailey, can they unleash him? Throwing Bailey into a game where you're down two scores already seems like a bad situation all around. And for Auburn, they have not played a game since Halloween when they bludgeoned LSU, but don't be fooled by that performance. I still think Auburn has some holes. Defensive line still not that great. Offensive line has their issues. But is Tennessee good enough to exploit those? I want to believe Tennessee's O-line can control the line of scrimmage and help protect the pass and run the ball, but I'm a little skeptical. I think Auburn wins the game being at home but wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee has a chance to win it late. Auburn over the Vols, 30-27. to 27. Also at night, 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern. 2-4 and four, Mississippi State is at number 13 Georgia on the SEC Network. The big story in this one, the first SEC start for Georgia quarterback JT Daniels. A lot of high expectations for the Southern Cal transfer. Getting his shot, and this might be the game to do it. Georgia's a 25-point favorite. Defense still the real deal. I don't think State does much with the football. Even if Georgia struggles throwing, they know they can lean on the run game, probably win it ugly with their defense. I'll say Daniels impresses in his first start, though, as as a Georgia Bulldog. Something like 300 yards, two or three touchdowns. Give me Georgia 31 to 10. They don't cover the spread, but Bulldog fans feel better moving forward about the quarterback position. And lastly, 2 and 3 Mizzou is at 2 and 5 South Carolina on the SEC alternate channel, 630 Central, 730 Eastern. First game with interim head coach Mike Bobo at the helm after the firing of Will Muschamp. We know 
South Carolina can run the ball with Kevin Harris, who leads the conference in rushing. But after losing several guys in the secondary this week, opting out to prepare for the draft, I just think Mizzou and Connor Bazelak are going to have their way throwing the football. Mizzou, a six-and-a-half-point road favorite. And it's been three weeks since we've seen them in action, a game that they got blown out in versus Florida. But I think Mizzou comes back, wins an ugly one, say 30-20. to 20. Mizzou covers. And there you have it. Those are your matchup breakdowns and predictions for SEC Week 9. When we return, we're going to talk all things Kyle Trask and the Florida Gators with Pat Dooley. Hey, guys, we did it. We waited all week long. The weekend is here. Now we get a full slate of college football games on Saturday, and you get to relax and enjoy an ice cold Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport you're watching, they are the official beer of sitting on your couch, watching beer all day, and enjoying an ice cold Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment, made to chill, cold lagered, cold filtered, cold packaged. It is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. When you grab that can out of your fridge and you see the Blue Mountains on the side, you know you did something right. So enjoy a full slate of college football games throughout this weekend. Shoot, watch the NFL games on Sunday as well and enjoy more ice-cold Coors Light. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill and get Coors Light in their new look cans delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Don't even need to leave your couch. Don't bring it right to your door. And please remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Roll along here on Locked On SEC, talking all things SEC football. And as we look ahead to this weekend, another opportunity for the Florida Gators and Kyle Trask to continue to build some momentum towards his Heisman campaign, as that was all the talk of last weekend with only three games in the SEC and a lot of the other Heisman contenders off. It was center stage for Kyle Trask to put on a show, and that he did against a pretty good Arkansas defense. To join us now to talk all things Florida Gators is the one and only Pat Dooley. Been covering the Gators for a long time for the Gainesville Sun. Pat, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'll be covering him for two more weeks, and then it's um, off into the uh, abyss of uh, newspaper retirement. (laughs) That's why I don't want to make you feel old, but you have been doing it a long time. When's the last time you saw a quarterback this good, this skilled at Florida? Obviously, you can go back to Tebow, but I'm talking strictly as a pure passer uh, Trask seems to be it. Yeah, I would say Rex Grossman was that that kind of guy. I mean, Rex Grossman averaged 400 yards passing a game, which is still the record of Florida. Um, and I thought he had the best arm, one of the best arms. I, I would put him, uh, Doug Johnson, and John Reeves as the best arms. But Trask is doing something different. He's he's taken an offense and understood it to a, a ridiculous level with a coach who is a perfectionist and, and got on him after his fifth touchdown in the first half the other day So uh, because he missed a read. Uh, so it's kind of like that perfect storm that they had at LSU last year where you had the right coach and the right in Joe Brady, you had the right quarterback in Joe Burrow, and you had the right receivers and, and a great running back. Florida's is, is really a three-headed running back. And offensively, it looks like, you know, they can't be stopped. And that's, that's what LSU, every time you said, well, LSU, this is a week that they'll slow them down. They never did, and they haven't so far for Florida. 
the thing that uh, LSU team had was obviously some some really skilled receivers. Jamar Chase, who opted out of this season, he he's expected to be a top five pick in this this upcoming draft. Uh, Justin Jefferson was a first rounder. He's tearing it up, top ten in receiving right now as a rookie in the NFL. When I look at you know a lot of comparisons, people are comparing Mac Jones to Kyle Trask and vice versa. And it's not to say Florida doesn't have a lot of skill at receiver. They do, but when I look at what Mac Jones has, I mean Devontae Smith, John Mechie, these high you know high star uh, athletes and, and big time recruits, five star offensive linemen all around him. I think it makes it a little bit more impressive with what Trask is able to do. Not to say Kyle Pitts is an, an incredible talent, but you know from Kadarius Tony to Trevon Grimes to Jacob Copeland, I don't know if anybody would put those guys as the best of the best receivers in college football this year. No, they they've got guys, and, and the thing is, they were all you know like Copeland was a four star, uh, Justin Shorter obviously at Penn State was a five star. They were highly recruited guys, but uh, we we didn't know how good they would be. And I do I do this is going to be weird to say that I think that even though those guys had four and five stars by their name, they're overachieving uh, so far. They're making great catches, and that's what I thought was. And I got I go back to LSU, and I see this with with uh, Alabama as well, and and I see this with Ole Miss. Receivers get so much confidence going that they will make that that great catch. They will go. I used to call it climbing the air. Riddell Anthony was the best at it I ever saw, where he would go up for a ball, and it seemed like he had another gear where he would climb the air to get up just a little higher than you did and catch the pass. And and Danny Werfel knew that, knew that that's what he would do. And Florida had had a guy like that for a long time. Uh, you know, Demarcus Robinson was a good receiver, but he wasn't a climb the air kind of guy. And they've got guys now that are doing that. They're willing to do whatever it takes uh, because they know they're going to get unbelievable production and Florida's willing to spread around. I think that's the other thing that is amazing is Mullen's ability to understand the defense. And, and this was a Spurrier trait. Whatever defense you throw, we've got a plan that'll, that'll beat that. I just got to understand where, which one you're going to throw at us. And okay, we'll we'll beat that one. Um, and he's always got to play ready to call, and, and the plays for the most part work. Pat, we still have over a month of the season left to go, so some games still to be played before we get to the SEC title game. But this week, I'm reading articles, people already previewing the Alabama-Florida matchup in in Al- in Atlanta and all this, and and. Uh, Look, Florida's going to be there, no doubt. But is that a dangerous thing with looking ahead, knowing you got Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, all very winnable games for the Gators? But, I mean, my goodness, when we start looking ahead, assuming wins, if you're the student athletes, that could be a dangerous dangerous territory. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, again, both of them would have to lose two games not to go. Um, and I don't think that'll happen, but um, – it's, it's more than that because you're trying to get to the playoffs, too. You're trying to get in a situation where you, uh, Florida and Alabama play, the winner goes. The loser, if Alabama lost that game 58-57, to they still would have a chance to go if they were undefeated. So, But you're, if you don't go to that game undefeated from the, the rest of the way out, you know, it's an elimination game for sure. You're not even sure if the winner gets in. I think it will. But, yeah, I mean – Florida this week is a 30-point favorite. I'm doing a piece uh, I'm working on right now for uh, Saturday's paper on the 96 team. They went to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt had two wins going into that game. Florida was 8-0, ranked number one in the country. Uh, Vanderbilt's two wins were over UAB, which is in its sixth year of football, 
and North Texas, which was in its second year of going back to Division One, <laughs> and those are their two wins. And they didn't win any more the rest of the year, <laughs> but they had Florida on the ropes in that game. Wow. So you've got to always show up for a college football game. If they weren't going to, if they didn't think they had a chance, they wouldn't play the game. Uh, Pat, last thing, just looking around the SEC as a whole, I mean, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this, the evolution of the offenses, and you know, I, I talk about it all week, but the three games this past week, the winning games in the SEC, the winning team scored 38, 59, and 63 points. I mean, how did we get here where it's now offense that wins in the SEC, not defense? Yeah, you know, I was talking with, uh, we had Greg Sankey at our quarterback club, uh, he did it virtually, of course, but... Um... And talked to we asked him about that what he what his opinion was and he he thinks it's just the evolution of the of the offense not so much COVID uh, but I do think COVID plays a part I thought Nick Saban had the best quote on this where he said you know you can practice throwing the ball against air you can't practice tackling against air and I think in the spring is when guys learn how to tackle that's when you get in you're not afraid of injury. You don't want serious injury, but you're not afraid of getting guys getting banged up. And you hit, you hit, you hit, you tackle, and guys get really good at it. And then they come back for fall camp, and you have several scrimmages. Well, this year, we aren't having scrimmages, guys, because if anybody gets hurt and we get COVID, we have a COVID situation, we may not be able to play the game. So you, you have not got, seen guys hit a lot, and I think that's been a factor. But I think it is the evolution of offenses. I think there are some great quarterbacks in this league. Um, I think certainly Trask and Corral exceeded what, what I think everybody thought uh, they would be this year. Um, and, and I think teams are just because you're score, everybody's scoring, you, you're, you better score too. Like if you're not, you're not beating Florida if you can't get to 40. So that's the, that's the thing I think it puts pressure on coaches to find ways to score and find ways to throw the ball more and, and, um, you know, it used to be you say, hey, look, we're just going to control the game and run the ball and, and try to win it 21-14. Well, good luck with that now. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> the one and only Pat Dooley. Been doing this a long time. We appreciate the time so much, Pat. Uh, best of luck in your future endeavors. Are you stepping completely away from media, or are we going to still find you and hear from you? No, I am uh, – yeah, no, I'm going to continue. I'm trying to find a landing place for my podcast, which is – Actually, the most popular podcast in the Gannett, entire Gannett system. Uh, people love it because Gator fans are everywhere. And uh, I, I'm going to continue to write for uh, trying to find a landing place for some things there, but I'm not worried about that. And I'm going to continue to do my radio show that I do with Jeff Cardozo here every day on WRUF. So uh, those things will all go on, and i got some other things in the works. So, no, I'm not, I'm not retiring. I'm just retiring from the Gainesville Sun. <laughs> There's a difference. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Pat, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Hey, anytime, buddy. Enjoy the conversation. Awesome. Pat Dooley there, the one and only. Been doing this a long time covering the uh, Florida Gators uh, for the Gainesville Sun. Does a great job there. And, of course, you heard him throughout the years on the Paul Feinbaum show and uh, all the other outlets, and we appreciate him taking some time there. All right. When we return, a quick look at some early bowl predictions for the SEC. Hey guys, the year is winding down. Thank God we finally are saying goodbye to 2020, getting ready for 2021. You don't want to do it looking like a fat slob. You want to make some better health decisions when it comes to your life. Might I recommend Built Bar? Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar 
ever. And they've got the new and improved Built Bar with six new flavors, including 12 of their original ones. Tell you all the time that the Cookies and Cream is my favorite. They are the one to choose for a health-conscious person or just somebody looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. The Cookies and Cream that I choose, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar. You can't go wrong with that. Might I recommend just go to their website, BuiltBar.com. Go check them out. See what you like. You can pick and choose from all the different flavors they have. You can even do the variety pack. If you don't know which one you want, get the mix. You can try them all out and see which one is your favorite. Again, BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You will get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Here, locked on SEC. Before we send you off into the weekend, I did run, want to run through some of the SEC bowl projections. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic putting that out there. Two SEC teams not projected to go to bowl games, but remember, a losing record this year doesn't matter. The bowl system has already said they will take teams with losing records because, well, they got to fill in all those bowl games, and honestly, you lose all your cupcake games. You, just because you went three and seven in the SEC doesn't mean you're bad. You probably would have went, you know, six and six in a normal season with your cupcake games. So it is what it is. But let's jump into it and let's take a look at what Stuart Mandel predicts for some of the SEC schools. Start with the Cotton Bowl on December 30th. Stuart Mandel has Oklahoma, the Big 12 representative, playing Texas AM as an at-large team. That would be a really fun matchup and old Big 12 matchup between Oklahoma and Texas A&M. The Peach Bowl on January 1st, Cincinnati out of the group of five playing Georgia as an at-large. Feels like Georgia is always the bridesmaid, never the bride going to these nice, you know, bowl games, group of uh, the, the New Year's group of bowls, but Georgia wants to be in a playoff, but I'm sure they would take that and a good measuring stick for Cincinnati to see how they measure up against an SEC team. In the Sugar Bowl, they have Alabama versus Notre Dame. It's only one SEC team getting into the college football playoff. They got Alabama as the one seed, presumably beating Florida, because the next day on January 2nd, the Orange Bowl, they have Miami out of the ACC playing Florida as an at-large team. So Alabama, the lone college football playoff team from the SEC, according to Stuart Mandel of The Athletic, playing Notre Dame. Florida, that's a little bit of a disappointment, right? That That's presuming you lose the SEC title game to Alabama. Finish with two losses, you go to the Orange Bowl and play Miami, who just felt like it's been a little bit overrated all year. But that'd be a fun matchup with the two Florida schools taking on one another. December 26th, the Gasparilla Bowl. It's Pittsburgh out of the ACC playing Mississippi State. Yeah, it feels weird to think Mississippi State's going to go to a bowl game, but look, they got to find somebody to fill in those games. December 30th, Music City Bowl. They've got Iowa out of the Big Ten playing Kentucky. God, that just feels like a boring. Like, wouldn't the final that final score of that game be something like 12 to 9? Like it would just be a field goal fest. Hmm. On uh, New Year's Eve in the Liberty Bowl, they project West Virginia out of the Big 12 playing Tennessee out of the SEC. Didn't we see that game not too long ago? West Virginia versus Tennessee? I feel like I we did. Also on New Year's Eve in the Texas Bowl in Houston, it would be Texas out of the Big 12 versus Arkansas. I'm sure a lot of Aggie fans would prefer to see the 
A&M, Texas A&M versus Texas in the Texas Bowl, but Texas versus, versus Arkansas will be fun. January 1st projection in the Birmingham Bowl. My goodness, what a fall for grace from for LSU. LSU out of the SEC taking on Tulsa out of the American Conference. A lot of LSU fans going to make that trip to go see your team play Tulsa in a bowl game. Oof, it's the reigning national champs, by the way. Running out the way with the bowl projections from the Athletic. The Citrus Bowl on January 1st. Wisconsin out of the Big Ten versus Auburn in the SEC. Another one. Feels like we've seen this one before. Not once, but twice, maybe. I like Auburn uh, to win that one if they do end up playing Wisconsin. Wisconsin may only play like four games all year. Uh, The Gator Bowl on January 2nd, they project Boston College out of the ACC versus Missouri. That would be another snoozer for me. Not must-see television. And then the Outback Bowl. This one would actually be a lot of fun for a team that's currently undefeated in the Big Ten. We'll see how they do against Ohio State this weekend. But Indiana versus Ole Miss. You know Lane Kiffin just can't wait to get that offense going in a bowl game. Turn it up and kind of get some... uh, Get some eyes on it for recruiting-wise. But there you have it. Those are your SEC Bowl predictions from Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. A lot can change week to week. So that's where we are right now. And if you're keeping track at home, Vandy and South Carolina would be the only SEC teams currently not projected to be in a bowl game. We know Vandy's probably going to go winless in the conference. South Carolina probably not going to win a game the rest of the way with Will Muschamp already fired there so there you go that is just about going to do it for this edition of locked on sec appreciate all you guys for listening it's been a fun week appreciate all our guests thanks to pat dooley for joining us to talk some florida gators we'll be back on monday to recap all of the action if you haven't done so yet make sure you subscribe to the podcast on itunes spotify wherever you get your podcasts we'll have a a fresh episode recapping all the games from saturday dropping overnight sunday night into Monday morning. So if you wake up at like 1 a.m. on Monday morning, can't go back to sleep, download our podcast. Listen to it then. I have more great guests next week as well. You definitely want to keep it locked to Locked on SEC. We'll talk to you guys next week.